If you're not a huggy person, you need to go and hug a musician today, all right? That would be a very cool thing to do. And um, that is good. You, you guys have just made my day. I have got energy to go for another long time, but I haven't got a long time, so I won't do that. But um, yeah, that was just great. You have got amazing musicians. I've told this conference, uh, hi, if you don't know me, my name is Ian, um, and uh, <laughs> turn to someone and go, oh, that's good, when is he leaving? And um, uh, you have got to know that as a church, you punch away above your weight. Now, I have the privilege of being around uh, a number of churches in different nations, and I've been in very large conferences and small conferences, large churches, small churches. This has a stamp of God on it. And because you eat steak every day, you just don't appreciate it. <laughs> I'm kidding me. I know you do, but you just like, it's just amazing. It's amazing. And, and just for them to be able to just tap into something like that is amazing. You see, when the hand of the Lord came upon the prophet, it came upon the prophet because the musician played. And, and you know, we, we, we fail to understand that. And, uh, and I was just touching on that a little bit last, uh, in the last couple of days, but in every revival, there's a change of music. There's a change of kind of rhythm, uh, just about. And, uh, and so that's, yeah, amen. Yeah, the, the Sankey hymn book, uh, some of you might even remember that, but, uh, but uh, the Sankey hymn book was around, and, um, and that came out of a revival. And uh, uh, the great Chicago evangelist, whose name is someone, came uh, live after the fire of Chicago, slipped my mind, that's, that's what you get for being 60, um, and partnered up with, oh, that's terrible, show of hands, we're going to have a discussion now, revivalists of the 1800s, uh, from Chicago, was a bootmaker, was illiterate, came to the Lord, D.L. Moody, thank you very much, yeah, D.L. Moody and Iris Sankey teamed up together, and Iris Sankey bought in a hand pumped organ to the meetings and he was thrown out because it was the devil's bellows now, we do not want the devil's bellows in church the Salvation Army blessed them you know they used music halls and and they used contemporary music of the time and uh, and uh, they got thrown out they they had to find other places you know, it's amazing that, you know, in the Renaissance, in the, in the Middle Ages, music began to take, it was hidden for years because it was seen as the devil's tool and all of those kind of things. But I praise God that creativity is coming back into the church. And this is a church that's popping with creativity. You know, you just, uh, every, every, time I, every time I turned around and you are punching way above your weight. And I just want to say thank you. you. You guys have been incredibly kind to me over the weekend, been incredibly hospitable. Daniel here has been looking after me really well. And uh, Jack, the Daniel, gay man. And, uh, and uh, Jared and Ro, who I've known Ro all her life. So um, uh, that's an amazing fact. I knew her mum before she got married. So, uh, so you know, even before there was, she was even thought of, you know, so that's been a great history for me to know Roanna and of course, Jared came along and changed her world as well. Changed all of our worlds, really, didn't he? And, uh, hey, mum. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so uh, they're just a great team. They've been looking after me this weekend as well. Amen? Cool. We're just going to spend about um, uh, time, we've got about 20 minutes, and, uh, um, because I'm, I've kind of spoke out a little bit. Um, I've been on the road for two and a half weeks, um, but I feel slightly energised now because someone played jazz in church. 
and I feel so mellow right now. I just feel like kicking back and just, you know, we should have cafe or something like that and someone should go out and buy us all coffees and we'll just get the team back up again and they can do jazz. And uh, those who don't like that, they can go down to the Presbyterian Church. And uh, so, <laughs> so that's really good. So uh, there we go. I, I, I want to pick up a thought that I had last night, and it's in Matthew 3, uh, Matthew 3.30. And I'll read it out for you. It's not on the screen or anything like that. I, I'm not that organized. Um, and so uh, the, it, it says this in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 3. When Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. And he said, look, I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you. Isn't that interesting that that happens sometimes, you know, when, you know, you, you come and you want to bless someone. They go, oh, no, 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 you know, you, you, know, you, you know, let's reverse the role and all of that kind of stuff. And it was a bit like that when you were serving me, Jack. You know, like, I, I feel like I want to serve you. And um, I was away somewhere. They gave me a chauffeur and they gave me a, a guy to look after me and all of that kind of stuff. And I said, look, I'm from Southland. I can, I can open my own doors. He was taking my bag off me. I thought, yeah, he's trying to steal my bag. But, uh, you know, I was counting all the things in it all the time. You know, and um, and, uh, and then he would open doors, and I'd just pay him out continually because he was opening doors. And I know what they were trying to do; it was an honour thing, and amen, and all that kind of stuff. But you know, there we go. And I remember coming up to a door, and it remained closed. And um, and this guy was standing next to it, and he said, "Open your own flipping door." <laughs> I went, "Amen." We've trained him now. That's what I'm talking about. You know, so we we often you know see those things, and maybe those things happen for us as too. But jo- Jesus persisted, and he said, "No, no, no. This should be done." Um, uh, for we, we must carry out all that God requires. And so God, uh, so, excuse me, so John agreed to baptize him. And after his baptism, Jesus comes out of the water and the heavens were opened. And, and we spoke about that a little bit last night. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. Sort of Charles Heston-y type thing. I can't do Charles Heston, but you know, this is my beloved son. And he gives me great joy, great pleasure. And, you know, one of the great things about this particular scriptures is not only there is a voice from heaven because we need just a witness in our own hearts about who we are. And, and, uh, and we talked a little bit again in the conference about, you know, sons and slaves and, uh, you know, sons wear shoes, slaves have bare feet, hence the prodigal got shoes, you know, and he was brought back into sonship again, even though he'd been away a long time. God is so kind. He really is kind, and it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, and it's the meanness of God that drives us away from him, and the problem is I don't see that God manifest in Jesus. I see someone that kids wanted to be with and fought to be with, and, and, and you don't get around people uh, being mean. I often say sometimes, I had this TV show down south that Dale and I would do, and, uh, and, and often the subject of God would come up and how we perceived him. And I said, God is much kinder than you think he is. And in fact, if you're serving some kind of dysfunctional, old, uh, weird, long-headed God with a stick with a nail through the end of it, waiting for you to step out of line and go, whack, just, you know, when you're just waiting for you to do something wrong, get a new God. Because that one ain't working for you, I can tell you. And he is not reflected in Jesus at all. Jesus said, if you see the Father, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And so we have to change some things. Religion has warped that for us in some measure. And, uh, and so here at the baptism, Jesus has got this great voice, this great accolade. And then the dove falls on him or lands on him. Doves tend not to fall out of the sky onto you. Clunk, I got hit by a dove, you know, like, <laughs> um, and so it alights on him. And that is a symbol, as we know, of the presence of God and of the Holy Spirit and all of that. 
and there's a gardening shop in Invercargill where Dale and I go sometimes, me reluctantly, her with great fervour in my card, and um, she's a great gardener. I think gardening is part of the curse myself, and um, part of the fall of man, and uh, so do I have any hand, you know, so <laughs> we've got a few non-gardeners there. <laughs> if I had concrete, I'd just paint it green, you know, it's like, it's just like let's go and do that. So I want to live in a high-rise apartment, you know, and Dale's going, no, I'd need a garden, and, and I understand all of that, but every time she goes to the shop, it has a parrot, and uh, it's not a dove, but it's a parrot, and the parrot, she is often out of the cage, and the first thing Dale does is she goes and visits the parrot, and, um, and, uh, the, and, and it, it, she gets it, and she puts it on her hand, and it walks up uh, her arm, and it sits on her shoulder, and then it preens her hair. It pulls things out of her hair. I would have done that for her if she if she had things in there, like like some kind of baboon, you know. Like, but anyway, there is a there's this parrot there on her on her head on on her shoulder, and then she just walks differently, you know, because before it's like, oh, there's the parrot, you know. And then she's like aware, you know, of all of that. And you know, I thought that when I saw this, when the dove alighted on Jesus, and then when the Holy Spirit alights on us, I wonder how different we walk just being aware of the dove and of his presence. And so I look at that and I go, well, that's amazing. Not only do we have a voice and accolade of who we are and who God is, and then we have got this presence that we often are not aware of, and then we just do dumb things because we're walking in what the Bible calls the flesh, and yet he says, come on, let's walk in the Spirit, because as, as this awareness of his presence is with us, and as we cultivate that awareness, as I saw in some of these young people, uh, uh, you know, there's this great, incredible potential for them to cultivate this, and, and there's music and all kinds of things with that, and, and someone just needs to tell them that sometimes that someone loves them, I love you, and, and that's a very weird thing in the New Zealand culture, because everybody thinks I'm gay, because I wear orange trousers or something or other, you know, and I'm not. I'm entirely heterosexual and been married for 40 years with three kids. I'm not all that, but it's not uncommon for us to be able to articulate our love for one another. So say to a young girl, you look beautiful when you smile. I wonder who's told her that before. I hope someone has, because we all look better when we smile. Pra practice it. Uses less muscles. <laughs> Sorry, I'll try this side. <laughs> and then and then that amazing thing happened in this that he had an open heaven and I shared with the folks last night and I won't I won't go into it too much again but I I stayed with a couple of times in in the states with uh, John and Maxine Hurston who were the missionaries that planted Yongi Cho's church and would continued in that church for years in fact when John was sick at the end of his life Yongi Cho flew uh, with two of his elders to uh, Florida and prayed for John and then just flew back to Korea again and uh, such as the as the nature of, of of the relationship they had and I remember jo Dr. John Hurston being with them one day before we came back to New Zealand to my wife and I and we'd been going through a time with our son which I shared last night and uh, and he said how would you like me to pray and we were breaking bread together and I said I, I, I and I'd forgot a lot of things that just went out of my head because here I am in the presence of this amazing revivalist amazing man of God author and uh, and yada 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 and then I said uh, I said I just want an open heaven and he laughed at me you know like in a, in a nice way not in a mocking way and he says Ian you've you've always lived under an open heaven I'm not going to pray for something you've already got you just need to step into the knowledge of the fact that you've got it and it's 2,000 years old 
Because you see, even here, and we talk about that being at the cross as well, that the, that the curtain has been torn, and so we have incredible access to the Father. Amazing access. We can just come and go as we like. And, 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 and yet beforehand, they would wait once a year, and one person would go in through the veil, hoping that they would come out, because if there was some vestige of sin on them, they may not have made it in the presence of God. That was the scary presence of God, but we have that ability to come in and out. It's astonishing. It really is astonishing. I know, I know we don't wrap our hearts around that so much because we're Western people and we, we don't feel that so much. But if you worked with a, a Jewish person or a person of, um, you know, who, who learns perhaps in that, in that uh, not platonic way that we learn, but learning more as a disciple or as an apprentice, uh, as someone who would talk with their teacher, who would actually use all of their emotions to be able to, you'd say, oh, we're walking with God right now. You say that to a Kiwi, they're going, oh, okay, fair enough. It's like that ad, you know, we see you know, before the All Black Games, you know, and here's these, this dad sitting in a ute with his son, and he, and he turns to him and says, when you score a try, and I go, that means you're awesome. <laughs> And the kid goes, and that's Kiwi. You know what I'm talking about? You know, like we, you know, we don't want to be too. We don't want to be jumping up and down on the on the on the on the on the side, going, "I love you." You know, you don't do that. You you will get stoned. Um, you know, and so you know that's just our culture. But if you say to an Eastern person, "God is with you," he will stop or she will stop, and you say, "You mean the God of the universe is with us?" And so what happens is they begin to taste what that would feel like. And they would, they would wonder what it would be like to put my hand in the hand of an amazing God that has an open heaven, that the awareness of his presence sits on us like a dove. And we taste that. And we might meditate on that from cogitate on it for a while. We masticate it. We, it's like a cow chewing, it, chewing its cud. And we get all of the goodness out of that. And then we can move on. But we just don't acknowledge it cognitively. We acknowledge it in our emotions, deep in our emotions. They say that our heart thinks, our brain thinks, but it's, it's kind of like, and if you look at, if you look at cardiac physiology, you, you understand that the heart actually can actually prosper by itself sometimes. It has its own kind of mechanisms and electronics and electrics and all of those kind of things. It's, a, it's out of the issues of our heart. You know, maybe it's not just our cardiac pump, but, uh, but there's something a little bit beyond what we actually know and think about our heart that's incredible. It really is incredible. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And, you know, out of the good things that he draws out of his life, you know, he's, anyway, all of those things. And, uh, and so we, we need to get our heads around just those things alone. But this open heaven thing, this presence that we carry, the amazing presence that we have, if we cultivate that, we can change Rangiora. If we, if we cultivate that as individuals, going out the door as salt in the stew and as, as light in our community, then we will change that when we become aware of the God that we carry within us. John G. Lake, who went to South Africa and saw an amazing revival, revival failed when he went initially. He went there and family ruined his family, to be fair, and uh, took them back to the States, uh, was 
just just as it was just dysfunctional in every way. He actually uh, remarried again later on and took his new family back to Africa. I don't know how all of that works. That's got to be in a higher pay grade than I've got. And, uh, and, and yet God took him and he blessed him on his second journey into South Africa to the point that they put live um, bacterium. They had a, they had, I think it was a TB outbreak um, at the time, and there was isolation and stuff all the time. And he went into the hospitals, laying hands on them, and they were being healed. They said, "You can't do that uh, because you will catch this, and um, and then we're going to have to deal with this as well." And he said, "If you take some of the live bacterium and you put it on my hand or on the back of my skin, and you look at it through a microscope, you will see that I am well able." And as they did that, they looked through the microscope and and it hit his skin, sat there for a few moments, and then disintegrated and became decayed. Uh, because of who he was. That's a person who knows that he lives under an open heaven, so much so that for 20 miles around him, there was a presence built when he would come in uh, to an area. They knew that he was coming before he would come because people would start being healed. They would start shaking under the power of God. You know, we don't often know those things because they're not written in the news, but he carried and cultivated the presence of God and to a point because he had learnt the hard way that he can't do this on his own. It's not by might or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And he is a kind Holy Spirit. He really is. He just, he just wants to work with us in, in all of those things. And so that was him. Carlos Anacondia, who was a revivalist of South America, you know, he, he was amazing. He's a, a, a plumber, um, and, and uh, uh, he ran a plumbing business and, um, and a plumbing supplier and got saved so radically and was delivered of a, a number of demonic things that uh, was associated with his living in South America. And, um, and so he picked up the ministry particularly of evangelism and deliverance. And what would happen is that he would run crusades and there would be people just manifesting all the time. And so they'd take them out to another tent and deal with them, deliver them and disciple them and they'd be set free. But because of this open heaven over his life, that what would happen if the tent was here, then then a few blocks away, when the city corporation buses were just taking people, commuting back and forth to work, when they got in the zone, people who were, 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 who really needed help started manifesting demons on the bus. Who wanted to be on that bus? And uh, yeah, that's right. And, and, but the bus drivers who weren't saved knew that and so they would drive the bus, turn around the corner, they would drop them off at the deliverance tent and say, this is your stop now. <laughs> and they would like be dragged off. <laughs> I don't know. You know, someone turn to someone and manifest. I don't know. Um, how does that work? It's like, oh, there we go at the back, and uh, we'll go, <laughs> and uh, and they would get and they'd get free, open heaven. It's astonishing when you when you think of that zone that we carry. And 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 I look around here this morning. I look at young people. I look at older people because this is a multi generational church, and I love that. I love that. I love seeing people with no hair <laughs> and with hair, which is. <laughs> it's not a receding hairline, all right? It's an advancing forehead. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. You know, it's like last time I went bowling, someone put their fingers up my nose. You know, they, I was sitting there minding my own business. And they came along, oh, I'm sorry. It's like, uh, 
And whether they've got no hair or they've got grey hair or they've got a few wrinkles or they look great and they can sing jazz. and You know, you look around all of these people, you know, young and old, and that, that is a multi-generational church, people loving Jesus together on the journey. And I think that reflects a move of God in our nation. Because God spoke to me and uh, he spoke to me about this. I'm going to close. I need that the keyboardist up again. Whoever they were, they're amazing. But um, yeah, thanks, love. What's your name? I can't call you love because my, my wife will hit me. Eh? Esther. Esther. I love that. Everybody's got biblical names here. It's awesome. Sorry, I just went down a rabbit trail in my head. I'm just going to shoot the rabbit. And uh, he's not dead yet. I missed him the first two times. And, um, and we, we, have this, we have this word coming to our nation. He said, I'm going to raise up a move of God, and we talked about this at the conference, they may have recorded, I don't know, but I talked about a wave coming to New Zealand, out of my brokenness, I saw this amazing, amazing wave. And he's going to come to small towns, villages, and hamlets. Spoke that so clearly to me. And, and Rangiora is in that category. You know, it's not, it's, this is a very cool place. It's a very cool place to be. I wrote an article on revival. Thanks, Jack, if you go after that for me. I want it back, not like the last time. And uh, I wrote an article on revival. It was literally two pages, two A4 pages. That was it. It was just and 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 you know in big print <laughs> because I'm I'm not a prolific writer. But I wrote it. It ended up in Canada. Don't ask me how it ended up in Canada. I get this call from a Canadian pastor saying, "Would you come?" and bring your wife. He didn't even know if I was married, but he assumed I was, and that was really cool. And he said, I want you to come to our church. I want you to preach what you wrote. I went, sure. So I said, why would you want it? Why? I'm in New Zealand. It's like a million miles away. And he goes, we just need what you're writing about. Something resonated. We talked about a quickening. We talked about that, you know, kind of process that God suddenly moves and shifts. And I said, fine. He goes, okay, I'm going to send you the money and you just buy the air tickets. And uh, in fact, he sent me a couple of tickets and those are the days you could just send tickets in the mail and all of those kind of things. And the first night I was there with him, he was in Ontario. And the first night I was there, I was staying in his house. I fell asleep. You know, they were very kind to us, picked us up, looking after us, here's your room, da 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 And I fell asleep. And I had this dream. I dreamt I was back actually in Invercargill. I told the folks at the conference about this enormous wave that I'd seen off the southern coast, pulsing for New Zealand. And a number of prophetic people have seen that particular wave, you know, throughout New Zealand, Gisborne and, and way up north in Cayo and the west coast of both South and North Islands and all around. And, and, a, and a young lady here actually saw that, uh, just um, the one with the long uh, red hair um, who was there somewhere. Who was that? Anyway, and uh, she told me that she'd seen it like 18 months ago as well. And I was so excited about that. But I'm in Canada now, long way from Invercargill, long way from New Zealand. And I, I'm suddenly aware that I'm in this very vivid dream. If you dream and it's in colour, it's usually from God. So it's good to write that down. And uh, black and white dreams are often what they call flushing dreams and just part of our normal psychology and physiology and, and that. But coloured dreams, you know, with Dolby sound surround, 
you know, they're God dreams, you know, and so you really need to take notice of those. And this was one of those, you know, it was stereophonic Dolby, the whole deal, you know, it had a subs and, and uh, can vivid colour and all that. And I'm in the main street of Invercargill. We only got two. Uh, and so it was one of them. And, uh, and it was like we were there and I was, I was looking in, a, in an outdoor shop at the window and Dale was standing by the curb. And as I looked up, as I looked up, the whole horizon was blotted out by this wave that was moving with incredible speed. And I knew then that I would not be able to go across the pavement and reach her. And I literally reached out my hand and says goodbye and the wave went wham, right through Invercargill. And I thought, wow. And, and the next thing we know, in my dream, I'm in the civil, civil defense headquarters. And uh, it's like Churchill's war, war Room. If you've been in London and, and, and seen the war rooms uh, in the basement, they had these, you've seen them on movies too, big tables and, you know, the, the Nazis were moving and so they'd put, uh, you know, swastika over there and they'd move battleships around these little kind of rakey things. I mean, I was in that like war room, but it was a civil defence headquarters. And um, there was people um, saying, it's flooding over here. And I mean, you guys know about floods because uh, I've driven through a couple of them just getting here, you know, like, and so, you know, there's, there's been, you know, there's flooding here and there's, flooding, and there's people that are isolated and that we need to send, we need to send teams out over there. And I knew it was nothing to do about flooding. It was all to do about revival. And so we've got to send teams out to this place because, you know, God's presence is rich there and, and all these things are happening. There's flooding there and there's overflow and, there's, and, and it's like this incredible organisation that's going. And then my brother-in-law, who's a backslidden Christian, you know, arrives at the counter and I went, hey, buddy, what's happening? You know, like, and he says, what are you guys doing? And I said, oh, it's, it's, the, it's the flooding, it's the wave, it's, it's come. And, uh, and, and, and he looked at me and he went, what wave? And suddenly I woke up and here I am in Ontario in the guest room of this pastor's place who I don't really know. He's just rang me on the phone. That's the only introduction we've had. And I'm crying like a baby because all I want to do is go back to New Zealand because I know that God is sending a move of His Spirit. And I wasn't intending to speak at the conference or here today of anything like this. I had another whole bunch of messages that I'd written down. So I need to go through this. I went systematically went through this will build nicely this will be very nice and then your pastor the rotten blighter pastor rotten blighter <laughs> he mentioned one word and it was revival and it was kind of like the other night I sat there and everything was just blown away and then God just went and gave me the whole weekend and I was able to cherry pick basically some of the things that I was saying and I want to finish today saying there is a move of God coming to this nation and it will sweep across our nation in a different way. The music may be different. The people that it will bring in will be different. And we're going to have to be up for that. We've got a whole bunch of skaties coming in uh, to our church at the moment in, in Invercargill. There's about 30 of them. Never been in church in their lives before. And, and so they come in, they look, where do we sit? So they sat in my seat. Because they're like A-type personalities, all of them. You know, and so here they are, they just go down the front and they sit in all of the chairs at the front. So the staff come to me and go, they're sitting in our chairs. I said, we'll go and sit somewhere else. They'll make room for me because I'm the big buana. But, you know, and I wriggled in beside these guys and they go, hey, what's up, dude? You know, like, I'm not a dude, all right? I'm, 
I'm an elderly gentleman. I'm 60, you know, like, <laughs> and they're all going, ah, what's up? You know, and I'm getting high fives and low fives and whatever, you know, else they're doing. I just don't understand the whole thing. You know, I'm just like, I just, what, what are you doing? It's awesome. And then, and then the only thing they like is the music and they like being prayed for. That's it. Anything else, they're going, they're just talking or leaving to the toilet or writing on the walls or doing something, you know, like we, our repair bill has just gone up because we've got scooter holes, you know, Danny, I really need you back in Invercargill uh, because we've got plaster, like it needs real help right now. And we've repaired it and repaired it every month. I'm looking at that bill just going up. But the Bible says this, where, the, where there is no cattle, the stall is clean. And if we pray for revival, the cattle will come. And they won't look like us. <laughs> they will be aliens. And we had a fire tunnel the other night. And these kids went through. About 12 times each. Little kind of midgets guys. Dragging their, skate, their skates and their scooters with them. Because someone would nick them otherwise. And, uh, and uh, they went through the prayer tunnel. And they'd stop many times. And I watched them stop with different people. And uh, one of the guys stopped in front of me. This is about the eighth time I prayed for him. And you know, and it's like his hair is kind of like got grease and like all kinds of, I'm putting my hand in there and going, man, I just, like, this is awesome. It's like, it's like, I don't know what's in here, but I may not get my hand back, you know, like, and uh, you can feel something moving right there. It's just like, oh. And uh, it's like that old thing we used to say at school, you know, I pressed a kiss to her lips. A moment I did linger, ran my fingers through her hair and a cootie bit me finger. Yeah, so... Well, maybe you didn't go to my school, but anyway, it's just like, and, and I'm praying for this kid, and, I, and I'm praying the power of God, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just all the, it's not even prophetic, I'm just loving him, you know, just like, you know, I just loving him, and he leans into me, puts his head right here, and he, and he puts his arm around me, and I, I go, what, what do I do with this? And I remember reaching out and hugging him, and immediately the Lord said, he needs a dad, and in your case, he needs a granddad. And so I just said, thanks, Lord, that's for pointing that out. That's just like, it's like, it's to be so flippant obvious, you know, like, and, uh, and just, and, and, and we just loved them. And the amazing, thanks, Jack, buddy. He's not being backslidden. I knew he was going. Give him a clap as he goes. He's amazing. 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 And let's just stand together, shall we? I'm going to hand over to your amazing senior pastor. And his amazing wife, who's, I don't know where she is. She's a Joan of Arc anyway. She's amazing. She's amazing, amazing. Thank you so much. Just lift your hands one last time. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to say thank you. Lord, I want to pray every person here. This is a, this is your, you're on your altar call right now. Let there be an open heaven over these raised hands. Let there be an awareness of the dove. And let there be a voice of declaration and identity over each life in Jesus' name. Bring on the wave in Jesus' name. Come on, someone give God a shout. Come on.